I was making fun of people who go to choir just for dessert, right? That's what I was making fun of. I didn't make fun of the choir. All right. Good. good morning. If everybody's doing well, if you grab your bulletins, and we'll get started as we gather for worship. There's a tear-off portion on the back of your bulletins. If uh, you're a guest, please fill out this blue side. Put in the offering plate when it goes by, and we'd love to follow up with you about Mechanicsville Baptist. On the other side is a place for prayer requests. Please put a prayer request on there, anything you'd like us to pray for. We would be glad and honored to do that, as we do on Tuesdays at our staff time. And I uh, hope everyone's had a good weekend so far. If you turn to the back, opportunities for this week. Make a mention of, make mention of a few things. Today, 5 o'clock, we do have our encounter service right here. We're uh, beginning a new study. We finished the, Kevin, we finished the phones study. You all right? You're going to be asking for that to be brought back, aren't you? Yeah. He loves his cell phone. He just talks about it all the time. He's on it all the time. Um, we're, we're going through the book of Philippians. So come with us and as we discuss how uh, God uses us uh, as we work through that book. And then uh, 6 o'clock ensemble, youth rise at 6 as well, and then handbells at 7. This week we have on Wednesday, uh, mention of the women on mission on Tuesday, 10.30 in the FLC. And then on Wednesday, midweek Bible study, connect Awana youth and uh, adult choir at 7.30. At 7.30, we would encourage... Everyone who is interested in being a part of the cantata to come out to the choir room. They're having a dessert social, and if you would like to be a part of the cantata, please come out, enjoy some desserts, and stay to sing. Yes. You do not have to bring a dessert if you're just coming as a guest, but they would love to have some more people come to be a part of the cantata. So 7.30, this Wednesday, choir room, dessert social. Please come out. There is a place for you in that time. And then uh, teenagers have their potluck soup and salad luncheon on Thursday at 10.30 as well. So I think that's all my announcements except for Elf Karen, everybody. Come on up. Merry Christmas. It's Operation Christmas Child Time. Don't you love going on the Samaritan's Purse website or read those emails that you get and read about the stories of how the the small insignificant things we put in shoeboxes are such blessings to these boys and girls. They are going to appreciate washcloths and soap and hair combs. That's what we're collecting in the month of February. It's been brought to my attention that ivory soap is especially appreciated because lots of these kids are taking a bath in the river and ivory floats. Elf Karen's been a little slow this year, and so I did not tell you about our January collection until a little late, so please continue to collect gloves, mittens, hats, and scarves. Um, We're still going to find them on sale in February along with your soap and washcloths and combs. We sometimes run short on combs, and that's something that we need to have one in every shoebox, don't we? Let this be a blessing to the boys and girls who are going to receive these and to a blessing to you as you collect. 
Please know that the um, elf helpers sometime during the year are going to wrap a bar of soap in a washcloth and put it in a sandwich bag because that's how they go in the shoe boxes. And if you'd like to go ahead and do that um, before you drop them in the collection box, that would be fine too. I thank you for that. And happy Valentine's Day. I love you. Good morning. Our call to worship this morning, one, number 136, over oh, a thousand tongues to sing. Please stand and sing with us this morning. Colossians chapter 3, starting verse 1. Therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. And therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed which amounts to idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. And in them you also walked when you were living in them. But now you also put them aside. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for the new creation in which you have made us into. Uh, we thank you for uh, the Holy Spirit, which is indwelled in us and has changed us from who we were. God, I thank you that you've called us from death into life, and you have called us to be people who represent you and are your ambassadors on this earth. God, we pray for this service. We pray that it glorifies you, that it honors you, that it reflects your goodness in this place. And may you speak to us through your word and through song and through everything that is done in this place. May you receive honor. God, we pray your Holy Spirit would just um, abide 
in this place and that we would be who you've called us to be. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us stand now and sing number 163, Wonderful Grace of Jesus. Please join us.
If you would grab your hymnals and turn to page 339 for our responsive reading. Page 339. And uh, I will do the worship leader. We'll have Tim read along with the worshipers. And then we have separate times for women and for men, so follow along as we do our responsive reading together. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. I have treasured your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. I will delight in your statutes. Lord, your word is forever. It is firmly fixed in heaven. By keeping your word. Happy are those who keep his decrees and seek him with all their heart. For every one of God's promises is yes in him. I will not forget your word. I put my hope in your word. Let my cry reach you, Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. The entirety of your word is truth, and all your righteous judgments endure forever. I will meditate on your precepts and think about your ways. Open my eyes so that I may see wonderful things in your law. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. And as we continue to set the table for today's message, let us stand and sing number 491, Shine, Jesus, Shine. Please join us. Brightness 
search me, try me, consume all my darkness, shine on me, shine on me, shine, Jesus, shine, fill this land with the Father's glory, blaze, spirit, blaze, set our hearts on fire, flow, river, flow, flood the nations with grace and mercy, send forth your word, Lord, and let there be love. As we gaze on your kingly brightness, so display your likeness ever changing from glory to glory mirrored here may our lives tell the story shine on me shine on me shine Jesus shine fill this land with the Father's that song shine Jesus shine Jesus calls us to be the light of the world in fact he told us to be salt and light making people thirsty and letting him shine through us so people may see him through us let's go to God in prayer father in heaven we come to you this morning thanking you Jesus because you have been so merciful to us we thank you God because you have been merciful and guiding us throughout this week you've allowed us to assemble ourselves once again O Lord you told us, O oh Lord, in your word that where two or three have gathered together, that you would be in the midst. So we know that you're here this morning, God. So we ask, O oh God, as we present these tithes and offerings to you, uh, Father God, that these, your word and that their blessings would come upon these, and let it be used to magnify thy kingdom. Let it be used, O oh God, to share your word throughout this land, that people may learn of you and want to be uh, more serving and more obedient to your will and to your ways. We thank you, God, for blessing us. In Jesus' name, amen.
you see at the bottom of your bulletin that we welcome Matt Malone to our service today. Matt is filling in for Linda. Linda had a little accident in her garage and hurt her knee. And the doctor said that it would be best for her to stay off of her knee and keep it elevated for a while. So that's why she's not with us today. So we want to remember Linda uh, this morning in our time of prayer uh, as we uh, miss her when she's not here, but we're glad that Matt could come and fill in. Uh, Paul told me that Matt was one of his students at one time. So um, anyway, we're glad that he's here with us today. Let's bow for prayer. Oh Lord, as we come into your presence on a day that you have given to us, rich in your mercy and grace, we come, Father, with expectation. Expectation to hear a word from you. We pray, Father, that you will accept our praise and our adoration, our reverence before you. For indeed, Father, you have created us and you know our thoughts. We're grateful, Father, for the power of your mercy and grace to redeem us and to show us the way. Thank you for the light of the world that is Jesus, the bright and morning star. We come before you this morning asking that you be with those who are ill, those, Father, who are hospitalized, who are recuperating at home, who are facing surgeries, whatever their concerns, we give them to you. And know, Father, that as we do, that your spirit will be upon them and that healing can take place. And yet, Father, we pray in accordance with your will because we know, Father, that in the midst of life, you know what we need most. We're grateful, Father, that we can come before you and pray for those who have lost loved ones in our church family in recent months and days. How difficult it is, Father, the void that is left in our lives when we lose those who have had significance and meaning. And yet, Father, in some way, your spirit can shine through. Give them patience. Bring to them comfort. We're grateful for this church, for the work and ministries of this place. We pray, Father, that you will give us wisdom to know how to move in the, into the future and give us courage, Father, to take steps, sometimes that may even be uncomfortable for us. For, Father, we know that as we listen for you, that sometimes what you say to us is difficult to hear. And yet we pray that we might move forward in faith with you. We're grateful, Father, for missionaries around the world, for those that we support and pray for, for those, Father, who are taking the word into places that we are unable to go to. Thank you that we can have a part in their work. We're grateful, Father, for the power of your love to transform and to redeem and to give us assurance through Jesus Christ our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen.
Thank you. There's a beautiful arrangement of roses and flowers in the uh, vestibule area out there. They showed up and we were all looking at them like there was a new cat in the place. Uh, I don't know where they came from, but uh, if you know, please let me know. Um, I started to bring them in, but I didn't know and I didn't want to get my hand slapped. So uh, it's a beautiful arrangement out there on the table. Take a look at that and we will investigate further and see where it came from is all I can say. But I uh, wanted to let you, because several people were talking about them. That's the reason I mentioned them uh, this morning. Revelation chapter 2, verses 18 through 29. Intolerant of tolerance. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These things, says the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, and his feet like fine brass. I know your works, love, service, faith, and your patience. And as for your work, the last are more than the first. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. Because you allow that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of their deeds. I will kill her children with death and all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts and I will give to each one of you according to your works. Now to you I say and to the rest in Thyatira as many as do not have this doctrine who have not known the depths of Satan as they say I will put on you no other burden. But hold fast what you have till I come. And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end to him, I will give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessels, as I also have received from my father. And I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. In his letter to the Corinthian church, the Apostle Paul wrote, Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good works. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It is a reminder that whomever you befriend can influence you to the deepest level. It is a lesson we try to pass along to our kids, our co-workers and friends. But it can be a difficult lesson for people to assimilate. The people who have a bad reputation can be deceptive and charismatic. They are convinced and work to convince others that they have more fun or have found deeper meaning to life. Their misguided attempts to find meaning in life can rub off on unsuspecting persons. The church in Thyatira, and it is a long eye if you look at the translation, was suffering from bad influences in the congregation. It is a behavior pattern that is present in the book of Judges, in other portions of Israel's history throughout the Old Testament, in Paul's epistles, and in several of the seven letters we're presently studying. 
when God's people allow those who have apparent beliefs to hang around long enough, trouble follows. It is why God frequently called for purity in doctrine and faithfulness in conduct. The longest and most difficult of the seven letters is addressed to the least known, least important, and least remarkable of the cities. Perhaps there is a great reason that this difficult letter was written to a historically unremarkable place. It is an early signal that faithfulness always matters. It does not matter what station of life you're in, where you find yourself geographically, where you find yourself spiritually. Faithfulness always matters. No matter where you live or what cultural influence you may possess, God has the same expectations for all of us. Paul made that clear when he said, God is no respecter of persons. In all places and in all times, God wants all of his people to be committed to all of his word. The city of Thyatira was on the circular road system positioned east of Pergamon. It has some history as a military outpost. At the time this message was delivered, many scholars conclude that it was a city of trade guilds. Commonly in the ancient world, trade guilds had a religious basis and some type of deity associated with each of them. They would give recognition to a patron god in hopes that it would bless their business. The first convert that we have recorded is Lydia in Acts chapter 16. She was a businesswoman and likely associated with one of the guilds. Her description in Acts chapter 16 verse 14 as a God-fearing woman helps to further the idea of the association of business with religion in the city. Into this business culture, the church was established and into it we have Jesus' message to them. The culture wants us to embrace tolerance about everything. It is no different today than it was then. From politics to sexual ethics, the world wants everyone to have an equal voice, position, and sense of being right. But the eternal word of God is our final authority. The church must find a grace-filled path to be intolerant of the tolerance that deceives people. Jesus is the truth and does not tolerate deception among his people. But the church often tolerates spiritual deception without understanding the consequences. Sometimes we are deceived by our own deceptions. Jesus held the Thyatiran church accountable and gave them a path toward truth. They had become tolerant of all things and they were paying a price for it. Christ sets the standard for us in verse 18. The Lord is described as the Son of God. He asserted divinity with the title. In Greek religion, Apollo was the son of Zeus, thus the son of the father of their gods. Son of God is used throughout the New Testament and here specifically stands in direct contrast to a recognized deity in cities like Thyatira. The designation asserts authority. The description extends to include two physical features about Jesus. First, our Lord has perfect perception. 
The eyes of the Lord are like a fiery flame, the scripture says. The image has been used one time before in Revelation 1.14 to describe the current appearance and work of Jesus. It will appear again in chapter 19 verse 12 where the Lord appears as a rider on a white horse to wage war against the beast. The fiery eyes signify that he is omniscient in his perception and coming with a view to judge sin. Christ knows who we are. He knows what we think. He is our creator and he knows us. Second, our Lord has perfect character. The second physical feature is is his feet are like fine bronze. The city likely had a guild dedicating to working with brass. The Greek language indicates the highest quality. Both of these descriptions should be combined, associated with the direct confrontation of the local gods and seen in context as a judgment language in the overall message. They combine to show that Jesus was coming forth with a powerful judgment that could not be avoided. He was prepared to tread the enemies of the gospel under his feet. Fiery eyes and feet of bronze. Because of his insight and righteousness, he determines what is truth. But then he goes on, as he does in these letters, to tell us something good that was going on. We see the work of the church in verse 19. As with most of the church messages, the Lord began with an encouragement, you see, about their good work. It should once again be noted that Jesus said, I know your works. For the believers in Thyatira, the most obscure of cities among the seven letters, it is significant to understand this. Jesus specified five characteristics about the believers in the church. He knew... What, who they were and what they were. First, he highlighted their love. He uses the Greek word agape. It signifies a sacrificial and serving love that has moved past mere affection and emotions. They loved sacrificially. They gave of themselves. Second, he spoke of their faithfulness. They are also recognized for being faithful. Built from the Greek word pistis, commonly associated with the idea of having faith, it signals a reliability that they have shown to Christ. They are faithful in their service. And then that's the third thing he speaks of, their service. The third element is service, which is the common word used in the New Testament and the word from which we derive the title deacon, servant. The inward characteristics were manifesting in their lives through serving the needs of others. They had love, they were faithful, and they served. And also they used the word patience or endurance to describe them. Jesus highlighted their endurance. We see this as a common element commended by the Lord in some of these seven letters, right? Their endurance to survive in the midst of persecution. They had an active persistence in the face of both external pressures from the world and internal struggles of the church. These believers held on to a good reputation with the Lord for their character. So they loved, they were faithful, They served and they endured. But you know what? He goes on to show us something that many times we neglect to see. Everything can be good. But one thing that is bad can destroy the good. 
And that's what he focuses on with them. In verse 20, we see he gives us the price of tolerating Jezebel. After the accolades, the Lord then had to deliver a word of conviction to the church. The issue at hand was their compromise. Jesus used a biblical reference to describe it in that they tolerate the woman Jezebel. Jezebel's influence was spiritually detrimental to the Israelites. It is this kind of influence that was being tolerated in the church. They were compromising all of the maturity that has been previously achieved just as Israel previously had compromised their loyalty to the Lord. They were compromising the truth. In this instance, Jezebel was probably a false prophet who was teaching apparent doctrines. Jesus described her as calling herself a prophetess and teaches and deceives my servants. These appear to have been personal acts by a real person who was interfering with the holy living of God's people. The Jezebel-like deception of God's servants is similar to the influence exercised by the Nicolaitans in previous letters to Ephesus and Pergamum. They were deceived by this woman. Jesus saw this woman seducing the believers into participating in the worship of false gods. The church was tolerating an influence that led believers to adopt a lifestyle that was acceptable to the world. Meanwhile, it was unacceptable to God. Dabbling in ceremonies, civil, business, or otherwise, and engaging in sexual immoral actions was moving these believers in the opposite direction from what God had highlighted for them in verse 19. They had been progressing well as disciples, but one person can be a powerful influence, and that one person was leading them astray. And it is offensive to God. It is deceptive to the church. It is destructive to our character. In our churches today, we must recognize the same. There should be zero tolerance for false teaching that convinces believers that participating in unholy activities can be somehow acceptable in God's eyes. It's important for us to understand what's at stake. You see, the difficulty for so many people is they don't understand the Bible well enough to put up a defense against those who would deceive. That's why we need to study the Word. That's why it's essential that we hear these warnings. Jesus Himself is warning us here. Don't be deceived. But there was a correction For believers, in verses 21 through 25, Jesus still held out mercy to even this woman. Isn't that remarkable? He had given her time to repent, the scripture says, but she does not want to repent of her sexual immorality. She did not want to repent, even though God gave her an opportunity. Isn't that the way God is, though? In His love, in His grace, and in His mercy, He understood that this woman was even deceiving herself. It's so easy to do that, isn't it? Paul did it, didn't he? Paul was deceived into believing that the Christians were harming his world. And he sought to destroy them. Only to find the truth in Jesus on the road to Damascus. 
Jesus gives us time to change our ways in verse 21. God was patient with the woman. God had been patient. And hopefully his servants had been persistent in calling her to repent. The next degree by God shows us that he would deliver discipline to those who refused his call from wickedness. Jesus will punish with fury when rebellion continues in verse 22. Jesus will use the punishment of those who refuse to repent to call others to repent. Jesus said that all the churches will know that I am the one who examines minds and hearts and I will give to each of you according to your works. None of us as believers should ever view God's judgment complacently as something actually distant from us. In this instance, the other churches in Asia, along with all churches to follow like ours even, would be retaught that God does not look just at the exterior behavior he can accomplish a deep investigation of our hearts and minds. That's why we are the temple of God. He looks into our hearts. He sees what we can't see even. He knows us and He loves us and wants to redeem us. But He will destroy those who seek to destroy His church. Jesus will protect those who have remained faithful in verses 24 and 25. Jesus gave a refreshing word to the faithful in the church. He would not be putting any other burden on them. They were encouraged to hold on to what you have until I come. They were to endure until Jesus returns. It is one of the few times in the seven letters that Jesus directly referenced his second coming. He told them that he was coming again. He has told us that he is coming again. He told us in John 14 that he had gone to prepare. He was going to prepare a place for us. And when he went to prepare a place for us, he would come again. He is coming again. We don't know when because God's time is not our time. He is eternal. And what seems to be a long time for us is not time at all for God. But we see that the rewards will come later. All of these churches with all of the persecution and all of the deception were going to be rewarded for their faithfulness. The conclusion of this letter is in a different format from the earlier three. In the previous letters, the conclusion begins, let everyone who has ears to hear listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. But beginning with this letter, the phrase comes at the end of the chart. With this message, the concluding charge begins with a promise about the reward given to the one who conquers and who keeps my works to the end. We are to hold on to an ethic that will persevere in the face of false teachings and worldly temptations. We will rule with Christ in the heavens in verses 26 and 27. Beyond having broad authority, Jesus said that the enduring believers would rule them with an iron scepter and shatter them like pottery. These images are seen more clearly in Psalm chapter 2 and shows the expansive influence they would have. He will rule and we will rule with Him. Only if we endure. We will receive a blessing from the Father. All of these functions are given context with the phrase, just as I have received this from my Father. The work of Jesus is always being reflected in the lives of his followers. It is seemingly inclusive of his ruling authority at the day of judgment. We will commune with Jesus forever. In verse 29, Jesus said, I will also give him the morning star. 
The reward of the morning star has to do with Christ Himself and the victory that believers receive by their salvation in Christ. In Revelation 22:16, the Lord gave this self-description. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to attest these things to you for the churches. I am the root and descendant of David, the bright and morning star. In Philippians chapter 2 verse 15, Christians are told to live properly before the sinful generation among whom you shine like stars in the world. So the phrase can either reinforce that our greatest reward is Christ himself or that we will rule with Christ over sinful humanity on the day of judgment in the radiance of his work in us. In either case, our reward is found in receiving Christ and or His power on the day of judgment. We are seated with Christ rather than facing the wrath. Sometimes the choice to be made is obvious. We all have to make choices in our lives, don't we? We've all made choices in our lives. And those choices sometimes are difficult to make, aren't they? We have to choose between things that might be good or might not be good. We have to choose between things that might change our life path, right? There are choices that have to be made and we have to discern and make those choices. For the Thyatiran believers, they could choose Jezebel or Jesus. And sadly, too many of them chose poorly. The warning of real punishment is a cautionary tale to other churches. God is deeply offended by compromised church. Among our ranks, there should be a zero-tolerance policy for false teaching. It is not to be dabbled in, laughed at, or simply ignored. Too much is on the line for the souls of all people. Instead, we are to be enraptured by the beauty of Christ and His Word so that the so-called secrets of Satan will be a laughable idea. And you know what's beautiful about this passage? It shows us the magnificent grace of God. And you know how. He gives us a choice, doesn't he? But he tells us what to choose. How often does that happen in life? We are given a choice. He gives us freedom to choose, but he tells us how we should choose. Isn't that wonderful to know? We don't have to make it up. We don't have to worry about the choice because the choice is clear. That's why in John 3.16 we read, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Why did He say that? Because He gives us the right choice. And He said to this church, Do not be deceived by those who tell lies. Follow me. He called himself the bright and morning star. Follow Christ. It's the only choice that makes sense. For when we follow Christ, all of the things that we read about in Revelation will fall into place in its proper time, in its proper way, and we will reign with Christ forever. Shall we pray? Father, we rejoice in the choice that you have given us. For not only have you given us the choice, 
but you've shown us how to choose. May we make that right choice, Father. May we put away deception. May we follow your word. In the name of Jesus, amen. Our invitation is him is make me a blessing. Allow Christ to make you a blessing. Certainly Jezebel had become a curse to those who would bless the Lord. Trust Him. Trust Him. Make the right choice. In Christ as Savior and Lord. Will you stand as we sing hymn number 380? in the highways and byways of life many are weary and sad carry the sunshine where darkness is rife making a sorrowing glad make me a blessing make me a blessing Trust Him if only you prove true every moment you live. Make me a blessing. Make me a blessing out of my life. May
thank you for being a part of this service today. In the first service, Thomas John Fisher was visiting with us. You know, Thomas John uh, is one of ours, and you know Joy and uh, the family, and they sing in the second service. Thomas John had just returned to us from basic training at Paris Island, so he is a full-fledged Marine now and will go for further training uh, at Camp Lejeune in that area in about 10 days. But we welcomed him, and I wanted to share that with you so that you could be praying for him as he returns. And uh, we were glad to see him this morning. They always come back different than they left, I can tell you that. Um, so we are grateful that he was able to be with us uh, today. And thank you all again for being a part of this service today. The boiler worked all week. I fixed it by pushing a button, okay? Worked all week, so that's why we're back in here today. Because it was cold enough this morning when I walked my dogs to take your breath away. Um, so anyway, but it was nice in here today. And thank you all again. Let's bow for a benediction. Gracious Lord, as we depart on a day that is given to us by you, we do so recognizing your grace in our lives. Recognizing, Father, more clearly that we need to be aware of deception. For deception, Father, can take us away from the truth. May we always, Father, share the truth. Be a part of the truth. Because we know the truth sets us free. Thank you for the redemption that comes through Jesus Christ our Lord. In whose name we pray. Amen.